Let me then read um, from first Exodus um, chapter 3. But then I'll read um, the third commandment from Exodus 20, on which I'll, I'll preach. We've been working through Exodus in, in Oxford, and we've slowed down, as it were, as we work through Exodus 20 and, and those ten words from God to us. I think it's a, a, a timely word always to, to all of us to, to hear that the greatness of God's name and therefore the, the reverence with which we should use it and, and all attached to it. But to set some context, I think it's worth reading from Exodus 3, where that name, God's name, is, is given and revealed to, to Moses. The name that God would have us use rightly, not in vain. Let me read from Exodus chapter 3, um, verses 1 through to 15. Now, Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law, Jephro, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight why the bush is not burned. When the Lord God saw that he turned aside to see, God called him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people, who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings. I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now, behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppress them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, But I will be with you, and this shall be a sign for you, that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say this to the people of Israel, The Lord the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent you to me, sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. And we go ahead to Exodus chapter 20. And I will read from verse 1. 
um, through to verse 7, but it's verse 7, the third commandment, um, which will concern us particularly this morning. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that's in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that's in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. The third commandment is a bar on on a particular sort of identity theft. I don't know if you've had experience of identity theft. It it is a a deeply disturbing, distressing thing to, to have something of of your identity, even just the, the external features of it, taken by, by someone else. To, to, as it were, pick, pick the phone up and, and to have the call that says, Miss, Mr. Hutchings, did you buy 200 lottery scratch cards at a service station, the M25? And you think, oh dear, either there's something going on where my mind has gone wrong or someone has, has taken my name and what goes with it and, and used it for their own purposes. It is a, a terrible thing to have your identity taken by someone else. And it's not just our, our money that people can take of our name. We have a, a financial credit that others can abuse. But we also have a, a reputational credit that can be stolen by others. It, it may be somewhat rare, fortunately, for, for, for my credit card to, to be cloned, but, but sadly, the human experiences often are, are I guess, our, our reputational credit. Our reputational credit card is, is all too often cashed by, by others. People use my name, perhaps because I'm a teacher, and people say, well, Mr. Hutchings would be okay with this. But our, our name is used by others to, to get their way. If, if, if Tom were here, he, he would be fine with this, even when I certainly wouldn't be fine with what's going on. And we know that we care how our names are used. It, it, it matters to us. It's not incidental to, to who we are and, 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 and how we feel that someone would, as it were, run down that, that reputational credit that, that, that we have, would, would use our name for, for their purposes. And so I guess it's, it's not surprising that God will not allow that to be done with his name. That, that he would want, as it were, to, to maintain control of, of his name and brand more closely and fully than the most litigious corporation. Go and start making your own soft drink and put Coca-Cola on the bottle and, and Coca-Cola will, will come for you, even if you're only selling it out the back of your house. God cares more jealously for his name than any human being can imagine. 
who, who will not hold anyone guiltless who takes his name in vain. Because his name is so precious to him, and so should be to us. Three things, I think, to see out of this commandment. And, and the first is what I've already hinted at. It's the value of God's name. The, the, the surpassing value of the name of our God. Again, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. God takes the misuse of his name really very seriously. Why? Surely God's big enough to to, to deal with his name being misused. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but but words never hurt me, which, which is clearly a lie. But, but can God not say, well, look, I'm the real thing. If people misuse my name, I'm still God. It hasn't affected my, my nature or character or power, my sovereign control over all things. Why should God care so deeply about his name being misused? Well, because his name is so great. that The greatness of a name will affect how serious its misuse is. Here is a foolish plan for you. If you're on your your way home and you're speeding in the car and the police pull you over, you could roll down your window or press the button, as it were, and they say, do you know what speed you're going? And you have this conversation. They say, who are you? You say, well, I'm Tom Hutchings. Now, some of you may be able to pull that off better than others. There are reasons why that might be a more believable thing for some of you to say than others. I'm Tom Hutchings. Do you, do you know who I am? And the police, I'm sure, would say, no, you'll be glad to hear. They wouldn't know who I am. I don't have a warrant out for my arrest. And it would make absolutely no difference to your getting a fine or not. Misusing my name w- would be a problem. I would be... Slightly irritated were you to give my name to the police having been caught speeding. But at another level, it wouldn't be very serious. Because even if they believed you, there'd be some impact on me, but but the effect of that would be minimal. Now there's a a slight catch-22 here, that if you rolled down the window and told them that you were Rishi Sunak or or, or King Charles III, um, they're, they're less likely to believe you. But but let's just say you've caught the the policeman who is particularly gullible and you manage to convince them that indeed you are one of these individuals. That would be a bigger problem. Because that name is is greater. You could travel the world declaring war in the name of of Tom Hutchings. It it wouldn't cause too many problems. To travel the world declaring war war in the name of Rishi Sunak or, or King Charles III would indeed be a very big problem indeed. The the greatness of the name that defines the the greatness of the offence in stealing that name. And there is no name greater than the name of God. God is not just particularly sensitive, as if he flies off a handle about his, his, his brand. God holds his name so highly and treats the misuse of it so seriously because his name is so great. Far from being some kind of self-regard or or pride, it is just a right estimation of of who he is and therefore how much his name matters. 
if telling someone that I'm okay with something achieves a certain result, telling them that God is okay with it is a conversation ender. If God commands something, no more reason is needed to obey. Because God is God. That is enormous power, even just in human terms. A power we see the Lord Jesus use again and again. He says, what do the scriptures say? End of argument. God has spoken. Let human beings fall silent. Because God is God and his name is precious. The name of the Lord in in capital letters. The the particular revealed name of God. Yahweh. The one who spoke from the bush and, and revealed himself not just by his office as creator, but who made covenant with his people and promised to dwell with them and be their, their saviour. That name is, is even more powerful than, than the generic name God. To claim not only am I saying that God will be okay with this, but, but the gods who we know by name, the, the Lord in capitals, the one who is bound to us, who has promised to be our saviour, to, to say that that God has said something is a huge claim. And that name, therefore, is precious. More, God's name is precious because God's name is the only means by which we might know who God is. None of us, by, by our own insight, sat in a room with our eyes shut and and a wet towel tied around our head to kind of cool our brains, can think hard enough to understand God's nature and and who he is. Some sense of God's power and and glory can be seen in creation, but but his character is gracious and and compassionate. His character is the one who we know in the Lord Jesus Christ is, is only revealed in the revelation of his name. Here is what divides that the third commandment, as it were, from, from the second in their intent. The second commandment against making images is, as it were, creating a, a false image of God. Making a God of our own imaginations. But, but God has spoken that he tells us who he is. And the question is, how will we use the true image of God, which is his name? The actual picture and revelation of his character that we could never fully have understood unless he had spoken. How precious is that? How will we know God? Ask the devout Hindi believer whether God is like what he's like. They, they, they can point. Say, well, there, there is my God. And he's like that. Ask the Christian, ask anyone truly what is God like? And the answer is we can only know because we know his name. Because God has spoken. It's highlighting those words we heard earlier in the reassurance of the forgiveness of our sins. Where, where Moses asked to, to see God and, and, and to, to meet with him. And then paradoxically God is, is seen by, by being heard. He makes himself present and shows himself by declaring his name. Because his name is not some separate incidental thing that's outside of who he is. His name is the the revelation of his character. And as it's spoken, he is present. God's name 
it is precious. To understand this commandment, we need to understand that. To understand why this commandment is, is here and why it matters so deeply, we have to understand how precious God's name is. Otherwise, we won't understand why God would take its misuse so seriously. Nor will we begin to understand what use God might have given his name for if we'd understand what God's name is and of how surpassingly precious and great it is. It is no surprise, I think, that God would care so deeply about his name, given what his name is. That, it, that it's him, it's a revelation of himself, it's, it's the means and the only means by which he's given us to, to know him as a saviour. It, it's a conversation-ending name. The, the name that, that, that commands obedience. That is the, the value of God's name. Secondly, then the misuse of God's name. What is it that this commandment excludes? What is it speaking against? I guess the first thing to spring into our mind, and it's not a wrong thought, it is casual blasphemy. To, to use God's name as, as a, a swear word. To say, oh God or oh Jesus, when we drop something or, or someone cuts us up in, in the car, and that is certainly wrong. But there is more. There is more to this commandment than that. I think it helps to again look at what the commandment exactly says. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. The in vain is, is the key phrase here. We're not to use God's name for the wrong purpose. In particular, for a, for a vain purpose. For, for a lesser or less great purpose than the purpose which God has given it, which we'll come to in a moment. That, that is the, the, the root issue here. God's name is, is very great. And, and to use it for a vain or a light or an empty purpose would therefore be a terrible thing. Like using an extremely expensive microchip to hammer in a nail. It, it, it might achieve the immediate purpose, but it's, it's a misuse of something. A use of it for, for the wrong and a, and a lesser purpose, a less valuable purpose even, than it could and should have been used for. That's what's wrong with, with casual blasphemy and, and, and with irreverence. We're using God's name for a vain purpose, to, to express my anger and frustration. Telling the joke that includes God to to get a a cheap laugh, or or even, I guess, just a laugh. To to make ourselves look edgy, or or, or kind of with the the, the non-Christians who surround us. That kind of flippancy is is easy, even if we we wouldn't blaspheme, as it were, to to just slide in alongside those who, who do. I asked people at school one of the things that they know me for, and one is I will call them out on blasphemy. I'm in a Christian school, and so other colleagues do the same, but they will know that I will not let it pass. Not necessarily that, that I'll, I'll break out all of the sanctions, but, but that as a Christian, it, it grieves me to hear the great name of God used in vain. It, 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 it hurts me. Indeed, it's one of the few things where I'll ask a pupil not to do something, not because the school rules tell them no, although I would argue the school rules do tell them no, 
because as a Christian it, it deeply hurts me to hear God's name used in that way. I can't sit in, in a room where, where the great name of God is, is being used as a, as a means to express some kind of low-level frustration or, or, or to get a cheap laugh. I, I can't abide it. I'm sorry, the great missionary Henry Martin being told by a Muslim scholar that the Christians have been so defeated by the Muslims that, that Jesus now in heaven was, was tugging at, at, at the edge of Muhammad's cloak to, to beg him to, to remove the Muslim oppression from them. Henry Martin said he could not abide God's name, Jesus' name, to be spoken so lightly of. So long as God's name was spoken in such a way, earth became a hell to him. God's name is is precious. To misuse it for any purpose, lighter than the one he's given, is is a terrible desecration. And of course it goes much wider than that. Indeed, the, the example used throughout the Old Testament as we turn to Leviticus, and this commandment is applied, is is the swearing of false oaths. You shall not swear by my name falsely, and, and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. Why? Because God's name is being used for a lighter purpose than that for which it was given. Not to reveal his character and to achieve his purposes, but, but to back up my false, to back up my false projects and aims. To, to give my, my oaths a, 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 a false sense of credibility or, or truth. To, to misrepresent him as, as supporting my lies. Or to bless that which God has not blessed, whether implicitly or explicitly. To, to put God's name, as, as, as the Levites and priests are told to do, on God's people in Numbers 6. To put God's name on that on which God has not put his name. Using... God's name in vain is, is much more than using it in casual blasphemy. Perhaps the most pernicious form of this sin is, is, is to use God's name and, and how it can creep upon us to, to as it were, browbeat others into doing what we wish. To, to give the impression even that, that of course God is on my side and so you should do as, as I do. To, to use our, our prayers and, and how we pray of of others, to project the sense of us being in, in the right. Father, please help my, my, my wife not to be so ungrateful for the amazing things I do, to, to use God's name and the person it's given to, to achieve the, the building up of myself and the obedience of, of others to me. So to use the appearance or the outward um, appearance of, of religiosity to, to get ourselves elected to high office or, or to achieve some other kind of reputational purpose. All of these are ways of, of, of using the, the God card, using God's name for, for our purposes and, and, and not for his. It is, and I say this as a minister, a particular temptation and, and, and difficulty for ministers. The, the risks that we might twist, that the scriptures over-apply them, give the impression that, that it's my way or the highway, that, that my way is God's way. Of course, God agrees with me. I say this advisedly, um, because they're outside 
um, this denomination, and also um, not with ministers I immediately serve with. But I, I've had the unfortunate, I've had the misfortune to, to be either alongside or, or involved in several cases of, of serious ministerial failure. And in each case, you could see how things had, had built up from, from that sense of God is on my side and something far, far, far darker. As the eccentricity became embedded, as people lost, I guess, the, the capacity to question. I remember almost breaking down in tears recently as I heard of, of one survivor of this kind of manipulation who was faced with a decision in their life and said, I don't know how to make a decision. Because in the past, I've just gone to the minister and, and he's told me what to do. How do I decide whether to move house or, or not without someone to tell me what God would say to me? One of the great joys of being a Presbyterian is that we believe in liberty of conscience. Now, here is my encouragement to you. We have a confession of faith which almost goes overboard. I can't say that because I've confessed this question of my faith in defending the liberty of conscience. Westminster Confession, chapter 20, verse 2. God alone is the Lord of the conscience and hath left it free from the doctrines and commandments of men which are anything contrary to his word or beside it in matters of faith and worship. So that to believe such doctrines or to obey such commandments out of conscience is to betray true liberty of conscience and the requirement of implicit faith and absolute and blind obedience is to destroy liberty of conscience and reason also. A brief translation from the 17th century. Not only can I not tell you what to do as a minister when it's contrary to God's word. If I tell you something alongside God's word, something not directly commanded there, you have conscientious scruples and, and worries. I can't prove to you from the scriptures you must do it. And despite your scruples, you do it. The confession goes so far as to say that you have sinned. Now clearly, the one who will be held to account by the courts of the church, most severely, will be me. But it's an extraordinary claim to make, and it's grounded in the third commandment. God's name is so great. God's name is so great. The misuse of it is so terrible. To misuse it for a vain purpose is so terrible that we must all protect God's name by constantly searching the scriptures. By, by taking nothing on an implicit basis of, of faith, but, but rather asking, is this the purpose which God has given his name? And not my personal eccentricity or, or current hobby horse. The misuse of God's name is far wider than casual blasphemy. And it resolves down to this, to, to use God's name for any purpose other than that which he's given it. To end on a slightly more encouraging note then by saying, well, what is the right use of God's name? If that is the misuse of God's name, what is its right use? If it is such a serious thing to, to misuse God's name, perhaps we should remain silent. Take, as it were, the, the Orthodox Jewish um, line and say, well, let's just not say that name. And so we don't say Yahweh, we say Adonai Hashem. Of course, we know that's not really going to solve the problem. Let's just stop talking about God altogether. Lest I accidentally make you think that God wants you to do what I think and I'm misusing it. Let me just 
give you lots of secular, non-religious reasons for, for doing things, rather than to ever mention God. Because to ever mention God might be to misuse his name for some light purpose. But, but that's clearly, I would argue, not the point of this commandment. To tell us not, not to misuse God's name in not to use God's name in vain is, is not to tell us not to use God's name. If, if I tell my children not to go on the trampoline with their shoes on, I'm not saying don't use the trampoline. I'm saying don't go on the trampoline with your shoes on. Take your shoes off and then go on the trampoline. Do not misuse God's name. Do not use God's name in vain. Use it rightly. With, with a due sense of the extraordinary privilege to be able to speak upon our our imperfect and finite human lips, the name of the infinite and eternal God. The extraordinary privilege of knowing for what purposes he gave it. That he might proclaim forgiveness to those who are near and far, and in their hearing of that name in the gospel, the name that we know in the great name of Jesus Christ, who is Lord, that new life might come. Evangelism is a great use of God's name, one which is not in vain in any sense, but is God's intended purpose and one from which you'll bear fruit. Preaching is a great use of God's name. Prayer and invoking God's name is a great use of God's name and one which he will entirely bless. And above all, praise is a great use of God's name because that is the use of God's name that will go on for us forever. We will, in some sense, cease to to pray when we see God face to face and we we have been saved and finally are in glory. We'll stop doing evangelism, but we'll never cease to praise his name. And God would have us put his name upon our lips and hear from us his character repeated back to him, and take pleasure in it. How could we not do that? How could I I turn aside from using God's name in that way in praise and declaration of forgiveness and instead use it to try and prop up my own personal agenda? It would be extraordinary. It would be terrible. But but the greatest defence is a good offence. The greatest protection against misusing God's name is is to know the the positive value and greatness of God's name and the best way to know the value of God's name is to use it. The more that I I, I use God's name in in praising him, the more I will love God's name, but the more I'll be grieved as God's name is misused and the more I will flee in my own life in repentance and uh, and resistance from temp- of temptation from any misuse I might make, you, might, might make of God's name in my own case. Use God's name rightly. Pray in his name and, and love and, and give him thanks for the answers. Speak God's name to those who do not know Christ and watch as, uh, as they don't just hear information or, or words out of our lips, but in, in hearing our description of, of God, of, of Jesus Christ as Lord, they meet with God and are given new life, are, are brought from death in sin and trespass to new life in Christ. Uh, and praise God's name with God's people, Lord's Day by Lord's Day, praising him in, in our homes and, and families through the week as, as we sing 
and declare God's praise and adore him for who he is, knowing that we only know that because he has spoken his name to us. Let's pray that God would help us to do that now. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you have revealed your name to us and that you have come with your name. That we've not just been the recipients of of some theological knowledge, but in hearing your name, in, in hearing the proclamation of your character that we have met with and been united to you. Again we pray that 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 reception of your name would overflow in praise. And that there will be a a wonderful increase in our hearts as, as we sing your name, praise your name, know your name more fully, know you more fully and so are equipped and and empowered to sing your praise yet more and so know you even better. We delight that that process of of deeper and deeper knowledge of your name will go on for eternity. And there will always be more glory to, to see, more of you to behold. In Jesus' name, Amen.